It's uncut, uncooked, uncensored. We are live from New York City's Manhattan Center. Oh, yeah. We want to thank you very much for inviting us into your home in 20 languages in over 160 countries around the world. showed that uh, that I have to retire. I have loved this in a way that I have never loved anything else. I want to thank you for the memories. The spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever. So light him up. I said it all, I said it all, Fight bomb.
What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hashtag Media. On today's show, we're going to get Rick and I's thoughts on Raw 25, whatever the hell SmackDown Live was, a miserable failure for the ages known as the Mixed Match Challenge, the latest from Ring of Honor, a very brief New Japan preview, oh yeah, and the Royal Rumble. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news and is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, joined as always alongside the road dog to my Mr. Ass, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's the art of the beat of the V. Rick Vickery here. And that about ends the excitement that I will bring to the table this week. Uh, what just a pitiful, sorry week of WWE. And just just moments before we go on to record here, and I feel like I've just gotten a call from the clinic and I have like the, the worst, most incurable STD. I feel like I've gotten that news dumped on my shoulders right now. Ah, uh, yes. Stephanie McMahon announced to be on commentary for the Women's Royal Rumble. Thank God I have a mute button and Bluetooth running to my soundbar. I- you know, the, the worst part about this, you know, I was trying to get myself hyped up coming into recording this week's show to try to find some positive to kind of, you know, give someone a little a little hope to inspire those people to try to get excited uh, for maybe from what we've seen over the last couple of days to what we're going to be looking forward to this weekend. And then this drops. And I don't even I don't know if I think my complete interest in anything that would be happening at the Rumble is completely out the window now. Stephanie McMahon once again has proven that this entire revolution, it's not about the superstars. It's not about the very talented ladies out there giving it their all every night. It's about the McMahon brand and driving Stephanie further. And hey, and what better way to make sure that she continues to have that spotlight? Now, I don't put her in the match. Don't have her mention it. You know, just do a cameo. She's going to be running the entire freaking match from the commentary. Dude. I know some of you out there. I'm looking at you, Big Ray. I'm looking at you, Jersey. Think that Stephanie McMahon is the best thing since fucking sliced bread. I am not one of those people. I can't stand her in a 10-minute promo spot, let alone for an hour and a half or however long this thing's going to take. And I just want everyone to be prepared, too. If she's going to go to the ring afterwards. She's going to congratulate the winner. She is going to steal this spotlight here. I'm already I'm following the thread over in the Hami meeting discussion group, it's already taken off. You know, people are already assuming this means that Rousey's going over so that Stephanie oh can my interact with her in some way. You know, I'm sticking here. Uh, Mr. James Money MacGyver, our good friend from across the drink, he is standing strong in his firm belief. I'm standing with him. Rousey is not going to be in this rumble. Nope, she's going to be this, in fucking Columbia filming a movie. This is going. To, this this entire moment now is turning to be about Stephanie McMahon driving the McMahon brand and this asinine perception that they like to put forward because they're over a decade behind the rest of society when it comes to women's rights. Uh, we're going to talk about the women's rumble here in a, in a bit, but I, I, I have a theory about why your precious Shar Shar is not in the rumble. 
let, let, let's talk a little bit about Raw 25. Uh, before we jump too far into it, um, I'm pretty sure that we all know Rick's thoughts on the show at this point, as well as SmackDown Live. Uh, I'm not quite as down on it as Rick is, I don't think, but uh, I'm I'm fairly close, I th- I'm afraid. Uh, hold, on, hold on, what is this? You're not down on which show as much as me? It's 25? 25. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite as down on it as you are, but I'm fairly close. I'm fairly close. But I'm going to be the one in a good mood today. Yeah! Yay, WWE! Hey, I had I had some good takes. You know, I was going to give it... Hey, you know, it, it is what it was. It, I didn't go in with high expectations. I knew it was going to be a variety show. But now I got this Stephanie news. I'm just hot. So I'm going to burn this son of a bitch down. Yeah, I'm very thumbs in the middle on this show. I'm very... I, like, I don't think it was a good show. But I didn't expect a good show either. So I, I'm not disappointed. It's just about what I thought that it was going to be. And I pretty much got what I expected, unfortunately. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the rating. We do have some of the numbers in, and I guess this is probably the highest point of the show. Uh, Monday night's WWE, Monday Night Raw in USA. Uh, drew a monster rating, 3.01. This is up from the 2.21 last week. The 10-week rolling average is a 1.982. So this is more than 50% higher than the prior 10 weeks averaged. Uh, it drew the first hour viewership of 4.8 million, up from the first hour viewership of 3.573 and 2.993 the week before. Unfortunately, the drop-off was sharp. Uh, 656,000, which unfortunately has almost seemed to become the standard at this point. Uh, but still it was an impressive 4.17 million. Uh, the average of all three hours equals four and a half million, which is up from 3.2. So you really had basically one and a half million lapsed fans eyes on this show that aren't regularly tuning in for raw on a regular basis. Hey, you know, that that's great. They did a hell of a job marketing this thing. They, yep, they, they absolutely. Pumped, pumped, pumped this show. You know, it just wasn't through their own, you know, their own platforms through their own programming. I see. I've seen this in quite a few other platforms. Uh, they were out there pushing this thing. They got the word out. They let you know all these stars were coming back, and it was pulling in a lot of those people. You know, from yesterday's that have moved on, or just your casuals that maybe tune in here and there. Hey, it pulled eyes back. Bravo to them. Here's two problems though. You still had a massive drop off after you ran out to the top. The Undertaker and Austin are done in your first hour, correct? Somewhere uh, well, right Undertaker was basically the top of the second hour, but yeah. Okay. So within an hour and a half, you've run out your two top guys. Yep. Yep. Uh, so you start seeing your major decline. Well, and I wonder if, you know, like we both agreed that the show needed to start with Vince and Austin, but I almost wonder if it wouldn't have been better if you would have saved Vince and Austin for a, like the DX segment where it was slotted, you know, if the drop off wouldn't have been I as severe, agree. you know, you run out probably your two biggest draws, the two names that made raw Austin versus versus McMahon. And you, and you, that's over right away. I mean, that's over in your right. first half hour. Right. And I wonder how many channels changed immediately after that opening 20 minute segment. Well, you have that there. You have this major drop-off where you should have stars holding holding your audience throughout this entire program. All three hours should have been up. Who's coming next for these people that just were watching for that pop, just for those glory days gone by? Secondly, though, hey, you had a, you had a lot of eyes on the product here. Too bad uh, everyone, everyone that they were tuning to see could barely get to the ring. 
that just speaks volumes to how you how they have not been able to build uh, any kind of stars or at least a handful of them here to keep people tuned in. I, I kind of wanted to get your overall thoughts on the show, uh, more so from the perspective of the challenge of trying to pull this off. I think in hindsight, the Manhattan Center was a terrible idea. They should have just done it at Barclays, or they should have just done it at the Manhattan Center. Um, Manhattan Center fans demanding refunds. I mean, they basically paid $500 to watch the show on screens that they wheeled out onto the stage. So they basically paid $500 for a movie. Well, I think what you should have done here, I'm going to steal uh, something, an idea that Big Ray suggested over in Wednesday's locker room over on the Hameen Media Group. Why not either start at seven or have from eight to nine be designated to the Manhattan Center? Yeah. And then you kick it over to Barclays because, you know, you want to have it in a bigger arena. There's what there's much more money on the table there. You know, maybe you have something going special on there for that first hour, and then you kick it over. Uh, as we said for weeks going into this show, this show was terribly overbooked. Terribly well, overbooked. And you know it's going to go this way because, I mean, you got 25 Right. You're trying to bring back a variety of people to get pops from a variety of fans. We knew it was going to be a novelty show. A lot of my issue with these things, and it was the timing and the setup. And they were already tight on time, and they wasted quite a bit of time with some things that they could have rolled through real quick. I think they had some of these these past superstars in the wrong cast in the wrong positions on the show. It just, yeah, it was great to see them. Just goes back to lowest combinator booking. They knew they had the eyes on there. It really didn't have to make a whole lot of sense and figure it out. Let's just roll people out there and get a pop. Time management was absolutely an issue on this show. And I'm sure that we're going to harp on that throughout the entirety of this show. Uh, so let's kick things off. Raw 25 opens in, with JR and King, but in the Barclays Center, which I thought was kind of an odd dichotomy. Uh, didn't necessarily expect to hear that. And the show opens with Stephanie and Shane McMahon. Immediately, I was kind of like, are you serious? Well, you're, you're talking about we're talking about wasting time throughout this show. The show starts off with a major waste of time. We see these two on the regular. You know, Stephanie takes her breaks from time to time, but we see her the majority of the year. We, sh- we see Shane on the weekly. We didn't need them here at all. They wasted 12 to 15 minutes with their little back and forth. This whole plaque thing to set up Vince, you know, it's for him to go into his heel route. We didn't need any of that. You could have just opened with the chairman. Yep. Let him come out, you know, say, hey, this, and I would have loved to see an over the top production. I know they didn't have the pyros there. Drop some balloons and streamers, and then Vince goes right into, this is a celebration of me. Yep. Worship. 25 me. years of me. Yep. And then hit the glass. Yeah. You could have, you literally could have done that entire segment in about three to four minutes. It went 20 minutes. So as you're, uh, I, actually, I actually remember looking at it. it. No, it actually went 24 and a half. 24 and a half. Okay. So as you're looking through the rest of this show and you're like, well, God damn it. I wish they would have gave the women more time. What? Oh, I wish they would have gave brother love more time. What? Oh, Brooklyn brawler should have fought Kurt Hawkins. What? Well, I'll tell you 24 what, minutes for stone cold and fucking Vince. That. You, it almost seemed going in about 45 to an hour left in the show thinking that you got 15-minute overrun that it seemed like they were rushing things. 
They absolutely were. Uh, I saw James Powers posted in the Hami Media Discussion Group. Why did they go to break when Scott Hall came out? Oh shit, we still got two breaks to run and we're supposed to go off the air in about 10 minutes. That's why they went to break when Scott Hall came out. That sh that break should have hit probably about 10 minutes to 10. My time. Wait, 10 minutes yeah, to 11 back. on the East Coast. Going back to this open real quick, you didn't need the siblings there. Nope. You, if you want to use that time, if you actually want to go longer than the 10 minutes with those two, then give Austin the damn mic. This was also the first example of, remember, these two brands hate each other come November. You got Stephanie and Shane in the ring just yucking it up together. Remember, we hated each other two fucking months ago, oh, and we're going to hate each other in another intro, 10 months. It's be crazy later on in this show when you've got New Day and Natalia back there jicking and jiving with everybody. They're like, hey, remember last time they were in the arena? Oh, I thought that during the uh, closing segment when you've got Strowman and Kane and the person or people standing in between them is the New Day. The last time New Day was here, they're beating the shit out of everybody. The fuck are you guys doing? Come on, just a little consistency. A little consistency. That's all we want. Um, This was absolutely the highlight of the show. I'm not saying that it was a bad segment. I'm just saying it took way too freaking long. It was great seeing Austin stun Vince. The, um, the other big complaint that I've heard on this show is why didn't they put a microphone in Austin's hand? You got Austin standing there looking like a jackass for God knows how long, but you wouldn't let him say what? Come on. Well, and then anyone that's, that went and checked out WWE.com, they had some great exclusives there. Actually, the exclusives there with these returning legends and superstars blew away anything that you see that you saw out on the actual on USA Network or Sky or Sky wherever you're watching it from. But Kurt Hawkins, Kurt Hawkins and the Brooklyn Brawler had a one minute exchange backstage that was on WWE.com. You mean to tell me you could not find one minute to show that? Not one minute, really. The fuck? That was better than anything on the whole freaking show. Gosh. So out of, out of the Austin thing, we're still in the first hour. We go to what Michael Cole called the eight woman extravaganza. AKA, how do we get as many women on the show as we possibly can in one goddamn segment? I did find it interesting that they put this right after Austin and Vince when they've basically pushed... This pay-per-view is about the Women's Royal Rumble, which we now know this pay-per-view is all about Stephanie McMahon. That's, that's, that's pretty much the, the, the match, narrative. The match itself, match itself, terrible. Uh, the only thing I can take away from this is finally, finally, uh, we got some fire from Asuka. Yeah, uh, some people were like, was that an Asuka heel turn? I said, no, that's Asuka making a statement that I can throw your ass over the top rope and both of your feet are going to hit the floor. I'm terrified Asuka's not winning this after seeing Raw, though. I mean, when you think about 50-50 booking, I'm afraid all these women are going to team up oh, on yeah, Asuka you, to throw what, her what out. What you do now is you make her one of those targets like, like the Giants are usually treated. Yep, yep. Uh... One of my new favorite segments, and, and, and you're really going to love this one, Rick. The shucky ducky quack quack, tell me he didn't just say that, segment of the week, goes to Jersey Mike. Talking to Jersey last night, and he says to me, and I quote, 
Seeing her on TRL today, man, she had that cocky way about her. Jersey Mike watched Sasha Banks on MTV's Total Request Live. I didn't even know that show still fucking existed. I think they just brought it back. The only reason I knew it existed, because I saw the story last week, actually I think WWE ran it, that she would actually be appearing on the show. Uh, so she she brought the jive, huh? She brought the fire. Shucky ducky quack quack. Tell me you didn't just say that. Damn it, Jersey. Oh, shucky ducky quack quack. Out of the eight-woman extravaganza, we go back to Kurt's office, and we get the coach, the brawler, Brother Love, Harvey Whippleman, Teddy Long, the Brooklyn brawler, the boogeyman, did you care anything about this segment? Like, these are the segments that just felt so throwaway to me. Like, I don't I, care. I wasn't a big, like, in the throwaway part of it. But I enjoyed seeing all these characters. I enjoyed I seeing did, all I these characters. But, like, as long as this segment went, I would have much rather seen the Brooklyn Brawler Kurt Hawkins skit for one minute. I would have rather seen that there. Um, I actually, I don't know why with some of these matches here, Man, that seems like that would have been a great, quick match to just throw over at the Manhattan Center. It, just to have those two go out there. Or, or you know, hey, guessing that pep top. It was it was a great little WWE.com exclusive. It won about a minute 27. They could have had this on the show here. Uh, or at any time on this show, did they say, go to WWE.com after the show for even more content that we didn't have time to show you on the show? Uh, another another major miscasting in this one, man. Man, I thought they had missed the boat with Brother Love. The peep show did nothing. Christian added nothing to that segment. Uh, if you don't mind, I just want to jump ahead just a little bit since, since we're on Brother Love topic here, and I don't think there's a whole lot we're going to really cover from that segment. I don't, I don't see you having a lot to no. really go off about. I, I want to give some props to Jordan, man. He was getting some good heat there. They were giving it to him. Yeah, Jason you know, he, Jordan very much got the Roman Reigns treatment. He was he was playing it well though you know he was holding on there and he, but and to me you got Christian sitting there he's adding nothing can you imagine brother love helping him just take that heat to the next level oh brother John these people love you you know and we we, we talked we talked on the show last week about all these cool shows that they've done over the course of the years you know how we got the highlight reel we've got Ms TV on down the line. Neither one of us mentioned the peep show and that's the one that they go with. You know, you've got like four former in ring hosts in the building and they go with the peep show. Cause that was definitely the most popular well, one on Monday you know, night raw. Hey, people were clamoring. You could have had the brother love out there. Love act out there. Hey, let's not forget WWE ran their own poll asking what characters, what superstars, what personalities the fans were most excited to see. Brother Love topped that poll. Yep. He outranked Stone Cold. Yep. Uh, outranked Vince McMahon. Anyone that you saw in there, Brother Love, hey, the Pritchard Army is strong. They come out in masses for this kind of stuff. Yeah, as the Ayatollah himself would say, Mark's going to mark. Uh, Undertaker shows up in the Manhattan Center. Uh, what did you think of the decision to have Taker in the Manhattan Center versus having him at Barclays? I'm okay with the decision. I just, the entrance 
it was, was so flat without yeah. like you did you couldn't even shut the lights off for Undertaker's entrance? Really? No smoke machine, nothing. It well the only person that got any special effects over at Manhattan Center was Bray, right? Yeah. They did cut the lights for him. Yep. Yep. But I mean, you would think if one of those two is getting the special treatment, you would think it would be the Undertaker. Well, hell, even DX, they didn't get anything. Nope, they got glow sticks because nothing says rebel against authority like glow sticks. Right. So, so I I agree with having them having them having him there. Sorry about there, having them there. But come on, you can't just dim the lights and get a smoke machine out there to give you know that, that or when he comes out to set the mood. So uh, and I I know there's been great debate over the meaning behind what he delivered to us in ring. I mean, it, it, everyone's coming at this from every different angle. He's retiring. Uh, he's coming back. It, so they don't know. I mean, a lot of people are just confused. What are you making of this? Well, I went back and I watched it about 800 times, I think. Because our friend Alfred put us over in the Hami Media Discussion Group and said, maybe Jargo and Vickery will have some sort of insight into what's going on. And I was like, nope, I got nothing. And he was like, really? You've got nothing? And I was like, yeah, I got nothing, dude. I have no freaking idea. So I went back and I watched this thing. And I watched this thing. And I watched this thing. Just trying to find something to say to Alfred. And what I will say to Alfred is... I think this thing was changed on the fly. That's what I think. That was the immediate impression I got. You know, he was supposed to be going in a certain direction and whatever that direction was, he wasn't down with it. He was feeling something else and quick thinking that he could, he just left it open-ended. Yeah. Um, and the reason that I say that is when you go back and you watch the promo and undertaker's good. I mean, you got to watch undertaker because that guy is good. When you're trying to read somebody's body language, Undertaker is not the guy to start with. All right? But as I'm watching Undertaker, I notice he takes two very deep breaths before he starts talking. And as he starts talking, you hear Mark Calloway. And it was like he had to talk himself back into character. And once he got about halfway through that promo... You watch his right hand, and it kind of opens and closes around that microphone as people are chanting, Undertaker, and one more match, one more match. And from the second he re-grips that microphone, that's the fucking Undertaker. So I think he went out there and he was like, yep, this is exactly what I'm supposed to say. I understand. This is what we have agreed on. This is what I'm supposed to say but I can't let this thing fucking go. That's what I got out of that promo. You know, cause we, we did hear though, that they had been planning and if they wanted to hold off till after everything got, you know, they got by the rumble and all this, they, they wanted to go forward with Cena. Maybe, maybe they planned it this way. You know, sometimes they do get it right. As much as we crap on them, sometimes they can work us into something there where we don't really know where this is going here. It was kind of a, an open-ended promo that he cut this just buys them some time. And it really makes you think about the man and the myth. If Undertaker came out or John Cena came out and interrupted the Undertaker, what's the story all week? Undertaker and Cena. Right. 
No, the story this week is Stephanie McMahon. That's the story we want you talking about this week. Yeah, they, they weren't going to pull anything like that, you know? Yep. Uh, then we get the introduction of the general managers, Johnny Ace, William Regal, Eric Bischoff, who got a deafening freaking pop. That was weird. And Daniel Bryan. At first, I was incredibly irritated that they just introduced Bryan as a general manager. Then we get what was my moment of the night. Miz comes out and that stare down between Miz and Brian. I still think Miz and Brian at WrestleMania is your money match. If you can get to that match and you need somebody who's going to be safe in the ring with Brian, it's the Miz. Well, you know what? This, this could make a lot of sense. I actually was talking about this with, uh, couple of individuals this afternoon we were just throwing out some some names to you know who could win the rumble and we were just sitting there trying to figure out you know who's who's really a deserving or a star that's earned that position and i thought you know why are we sitting here arguing this who's the hottest guy in the company who's the crossover star who's got carrying the programs it's the miz and no one's talking about miz to win this thing he's actually been added to the graphic he is in the match now you know what I would love to see is I would love to see Brian come out for the rumble. I would love for the pop of Brian's music hitting and Brian coming out for the rumble and being in the rumble and Miz dumping that motherfucker on his head. That's what I would love to see. Well, see, I was, you know, in this conversation I was pitching, we had that intense uh, stare down between those two to remind us about the heat between them. That shit's been going on for like a decade, man. Well, you know, the thing is, you have Miz win the Rumble, what I was thinking. If, if Daniel couldn't go, I'm still, I'm just working under, I don't think he's getting back. In that I don't I either. He's trying to make him look bad. I don't, I don't think he's getting back in the ring, but I think if you're trying to get Brian back in the ring and you need that quote unquote oh, safe match, it's the Miz. But, you know, we got this tension too between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. So let's say that after... After Miz wins the Rumble, maybe they pull the deal right before the Rumble, and then Miz somehow wins this thing. That Shane McMahon made the trade to bring the Miz back just to piss Daniel Bryan off. Oh, that would be Miz, great. Miz ends up winning this damn Rumble, and then you get AJ Styles versus the Miz at WrestleMania. I'd be down with that. I'd be down well, with I, that. Because looking at this here, who is worthy to take on the WWE champion? At yeah. WrestleMania, Obviously, no one's built up. You know, everyone's still talking about this Nakamura match. I'm sorry, he is not a star. He is not a WrestleMania star right now. Nope, nope. He is not even fourth from the top of the card. I, I would have gone with you maybe if he hadn't won last year and it turned into a train wreck, you know, with, with Randy Orton. Because you said if he didn't do it last year, you would have expected him this year. Yep. Because uh, at least he hasn't he hasn't been built like the star that and he is, but he is Randy Orton. Even still, coming out of SmackDown, I very much feel like... Everything tells me Randy Orton is winning the Rumble, except for the fact that he won it last year. And when you get into that winning back-to-back Rumble territory, that that's reserved for incredibly special talents. And I don't think Randy Orton is in that list, as much as I love Randy Orton. And everybody else hey, seems to love Randy hey, Orton. Hey, you know, we've seen it firsthand at any live event we've gone to. Casuals love Randy Orton. They freaking love the guy. Yep. Maybe there was a backdoor deal last year, you know, because, man, his WrestleMania, that WrestleMania moment, and then the House of Horrors, and then putting over gender. Maybe there was a deal. Hey, man, give us this now. We'll repay you next year at WrestleMania season. 
I still don't think you count the Viper out here. You can flip a switch and have star power with him. It's just not a lot of star power coming, if really from either side, but it seems like on a, a lock we've got Roman versus Brock on the other side. I have a dark horse coming out for the Royal Rumble, but we'll talk about him a little bit later when we get to SmackDown. Um, so we end up with the Miz versus Roman match. And number one, I love Miz winning. Okay. I love Miz being an eight time intercontinental champion. I would love to see a feud between Jericho and the Miz for the intercontinental title and the legacy that goes with it. I loved the reception from the Barclays center for Roman reigns. I loved Roman's little heel promo that he had on the pre-show where he said that it's all about him. My question to you is when you have one and a half million lapsed fans watching your show for the first time in God knows how long is your new, the guy losing a title, the best presentation for this individual show. Could it be, I mean, could this fit into their head some way? Be like, then we get all this stuff that we push and push and push him. And now I know everyone that pays attention hears that we're just shoving this guy down everyone's throats. So now that they do have this, you know, all these other eyes on them that they're, you know, these people that are heard just like, Oh, wait a minute. No, they don't. This guy went out and worked a pretty good match and they had him lose. You know, what's everyone's problem with him? Well, that could be, that could be the, sh- I, I was just, I mean, as happy as I was for Miz to take this title off of Roman, as I got to thinking about it a little bit more, it was like, um, so this would be like, you know, 10 years ago, having one and a half million new fans turn on raw and seeing him lose the title and seeing like John Cena lose the title for the first time. Well, you see, it's like, um, you're saying, I don't know. I guess we can use it loosely or define it a little differently. You're saying new fans. These are just fans that they lost. Yeah. These are lapsed fans, but I mean, they would, they would be new Roman Reigns fans. That's what I'm saying. You I know? think people kind of know about him. And, I, you know, the way they pulled it off, you know, the way he got the turnbuckle off. I mean, it was an excellent maneuver. All the timing there. And I never pretend to be like an expert, you know, what goes on between between the, the ropes there from bell to bell. But just sitting back, you know, I didn't really pick out anything that really seemed that off to me. I mean, there's always spots in WWE's matches where you wish you'd see a little more selling. But, you know, I thought the flow of it was good. I thought the, the science, the logic behind it worked. The place popped like crazy when Miz popped. I popped, and it this probably this match saved this show for me. And, and, and whatsoever, it was probably the most the thing I enjoyed the most. When Roman kicked out of that first skull crushing finale, I thought somebody just popped the Barclays Center's balloon. That place was not happy that Roman kicked out of the skull crushing finale. And I did see a couple people in the Hameen group say, oh, yay, now we're going to bury the skull-crushing finale. It's Roman, guys. Come on. You know it's going to take at least two. At least two. How many How many freaking F5s do you think Brock's going to hit him with that he's going to kick out of at fucking Mania? Um, you brought up the Peep Show a little bit earlier. Uh, Rollins and Jordan, I just want to say, well, I don't like Jason Jordan. I know I'm not supposed to like Jason Jordan, so I can get I can go with that. But... Rollins and Jordan have great bad chemistry. Like they have really good chemistry, but they play that they have bad chemistry really, really well. In the match you know, itself. Hey, Jordan's, Jordan's moving along. 
and like you said, man, Seth's right there to help him. This Jordan character is really taking off. I'm expecting big things out of, out of him, you know, by SummerSlam. I mean, he's going to be, you know, one of your top heels in the company. My question is, is during the match, they have Rollins take out Jordan. Didn't that just seem backwards to you? Or is this going to be the excuse for Jordan turning on Rollins? Is that where this is going? Oh, I refresh my memory now. Uh, Seth hits the flying knee off the uh, springboard. And one of them, Cesaro or Sheamus, whichever oh, one yeah. it was, ducks and Seth takes out Jordan. Is, is this going to be the excuse for Jordan now turning on Seth? Is that what the, where this is going? Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily go there right now. It seems too uh, soon. Yeah, it seems like it is. It, but maybe this adds a little heat to because Seth's been on him like, hey, man, we're a team. We got to be working as a team. You know, we got to do things as a team. And now Jordan can kind of flip that script on him a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I just like I feel like they could like split these two up Sunday, have something go terribly wrong. The bar takes the tag titles and you're off and running with what it's going to be your WrestleMania program of Jordan and Rollins. I would just like to see him drag that out for about another month, because otherwise this thing is going to feel so stale by the time we get to Mania. If you have those guys drop the tag team titles, it seems like you would probably want to do that at the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. So they're not too. just bickering for three months back and forth. You know, you, you still got you're building that heat. My other fear with that is, though, man, you, you probably put those titles back on the bar at some point. And you've already got built up that Titus that uh, Titus brand can come in as immediate challengers, and it, which pretty much screams to me, you're going to get other the, all the other tags, tag teams on the Raw brand all lumped together for a pre-show tag team title match again. Is there any other tag teams on Raw that are worth a shit? Uh, well, we just well, I, we're going to get to those later. So yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, then you have the Alexa and Charlotte segment. Who fucking cares? I thought it was just god fucking awful. Um, uh, just, maybe it would have meant something I, if Alexa would have won at fucking Survivor Series, like she should have. No, no, no she should not have won. It that means match. nothing. Is, I no, have nobody cares about fucking Alexa and Charlotte anymore. She is the inferior champion. It wasn't about anything about that. Exactly. The she's the inferior champion. She should have lost that fucking title back in goddamn December because she's an inferior champion. She's a paper champion. She fucking tapped in the middle of the goddamn ring to Asuka, and she hasn't even had a fucking match since. When's the last time you saw Alexa Bliss wrestle? Well, that's her thing, you know? She's No, this is fucking horseshit. They're out. burying Alexa Bliss right now. And it started with your precious fucking Shar no. Shar pinning no, her at fucking Survivor anything. Series. It didn't start anything with fucking Shar Shar. Shar should have won that match. She is the better talent. She is a better superstar. Not if you want to make fucking money with them. No. What screwed Alexa Bliss is when you go expose your fucking business on Total Divas and you expose your business on social media. People stop buying into you. They don't care about her being this cowardly ass heel. Speaking of things that I'm tired of buying into, how many fucking rounds of this goddamn poker game did we need to see on this fucking show? This is... I think I popped maybe one time during this. We had like five segments on. of this shit. Hey, and I think here's the best part. You know, I've listened to, you know, all of... All of, uh, you know, our comrades over in the Hameen Media, you know, media group going on air talking about this. I've listened to a variety of other podcasts no one's really brought up, you know, they've had their complaints about this show, things they love, things they've hated. No one's brought up the fact that Heath Slater had more airtime 
on Raw 25 than anyone else running through this show. Heath Slater had more dialogue on this show than Stone Cold Steve Austin. How many how many segments was was Slater? How many times did they go? He had like six segments on this freaking show. It was insane, absolutely insane. Uh, Then we get probably the most baffling thing of Raw twenty five: Wyatt versus Hardy in the Manhattan Center, completely unadvertised, and we're going to give it away for free. Well, let me ask something here. I, I I put out this question yesterday over on Facebook in the Hameen discussion group. You know, we got this with literally we're getting on a free television. We didn't have any hype here. None. Is this, is this a case of WWE thought, Hey, this is going to be a hell of a surprise or they realized that this, this storyline just sucks. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. Um, one of the, the first questions that came to my mind is, okay, you have all these other, these, lapsed fans watching the show what the fuck do you think they thought of matt hardy with absolutely no explanation of what I, in I the hell it. was going on well they're probably lost they're like this isn't Matt Hardy. yeah like what the fuck is wrong with matt what's going on here yeah there, there, there was absolutely nothing there that made any sense bray wyatt was completely portrayed as the baby face not only does he get the lights off in the Manhattan Center with the fireflies, then they cut to the shot of Barclays Center with the lights off and all the fireflies. And then Matt Hardy comes out fucking crazy trying to bite people. Bray Wyatt gets the pin, goes over. Clean. Clean. So it, it very much seemed like Wyatt's the baby face here. Hardy's the crazy psycho fucking heel. They completely missed the mark on this thing. And then you've got Brother Nero playing fucking poker in the other venue. You finally could have done something here. You could have done something super cool with the broken universe with one and a half million people that don't normally watch the show. Having some kind of a hook to come back next week. Instead, you got Dick. Then we get the women's parade. The Bellas come out first. I thought that was kind of interesting only because Nikki was in full ring gear. First first thing that I, you know a lot of people would notice, she, she's dressed ready to go. I thought we were going to get a match with Nikki Bella. That's I, really yeah, what I thought. I, kinda, I, was, I, I thought something was up. I thought you know we're getting the announcement she's entering. Right. I fully expect to see her Sunday in that match. Then we get Pregnant Maurice, Kelly Kelly, Lillian Garcia, Jacqueline, Tori Wilson. I, kinda, I thought the placement of Maurice coming out right after Nikki was on. Yeah, as last time we had seen them, they were in a blood feud at WrestleMania. At least they were on opposite sides of the stage. I will give oh, them. Did they that. go to opposite? They okay, did they go did to opposite go. sides okay. of the stage. I will give them that. All right, um, then I guess I'm nitpicking there. I'll, I'll, Kelly I'll Kelly, backtrack. Lillian Garcia, Jacqueline, Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool, Terry Reynolds, Maria, who is the first pregnant woman that I've ever seen wear leather pants, and then finally Trish Stratus. They all come out. They wave to the crowd. And back behind the stage for you. You think this was a rib on the entire Divas generation? Give Divas a chance. Nope, you get a two-minute segment, just like it used to be. Well, here's your, here's my entire problem with this thing. Yes, you have been over-the-top pushing this Women's Royal Rumble, and you don't have these... Hey, and I'm sorry, you don't, I'm not going to call these Divas. I mean, these, these girls could flat-out go. No, but this was the Divas generation. That's what I'm it, saying. I'd say a little mix match in there, but you know some of these girls can flat out go. So I would do some interacting there where you have these talents putting over this new crop that we're supposed to be buying. Well, 
they want us to think we're buying into when it's actually just stepping in. Yeah, man. I thoroughly expected to see some kind of big brawl between like the Bellas, Kelly Kelly, Jacqueline, Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool, Terry uh, Reynolds, and Trish versus like, you know, seven women that are on the roster, you know, maybe hyping a rumble. Nah, I wasn't expecting that at all because, you know, a lot of these ladies, they don't look like they want to go into this thing anymore. You know, if we get an appearance by a couple of them. Wait, you know, well, so- we've got what, 18 women right now? I think so. That are announced for the Rumble with the Bellas. That's 20. Kelly Kelly, 21. Jacqueline, 22. Tori Wilson, 23. Michelle McCool, 24. Trish Stratus, 25. We still need five fucking more. Well, you go to NXT for those, but I I don't know if all these ladies are going to be jumping into this thing. I'm saying they need to because otherwise, where in the hell are you going to come up with enough fucking women? We can find women over there. And maybe you don't (laughs) want to give away. I would say maybe you don't want to get a physicality thing going here. But you should have had some kind of interaction. Man, you girls are living the dream. You guys are taking it to the next level. You really are truly superstars. We're glad you're getting the recognition now. Or you could have had some of the heat in there. You know, like we were the ground setters. But I don't think you got to mix it up, actually. But give us something. Give us some kind of tea. I at least would have had Trish be like, yep, I'll see you Sunday. At least give them that. I would have went back and had Trish be the first one that would have announced this damn thing and say, I'm the first entry. Yeah, but no, I, we can't do that. You know why? Again, throwaway segment. Nobody cares. You know, that's kind of how the hey, you know, you know what I, here's what I, here, here's, here's something I did take away from this segment. It's something I miss, and it's something I talk about with the men quite often, about how the problem with today's product is we're not in awe of superstars. We don't, we don't admire them. We don't wish we could be them. We think we can be them. That's the problem with many fans. They see a Finn Balor and they think they can be that nerd. They buy into him. That's the that's the problem I have. What I kind of, this women's when they brought them all out here reminded me of. Remember when the women were actually like larger life, gorgeous, freaking beautiful. Like, damn, I would love to be with a woman like that. That's far out of my league. Now I look at today's current roster and I'd be damned if I couldn't just go into go into Cleveland here and hit any random bar and find girls that are just as good looking or better looking than the women we have on today's current product. I would agree with you. And then I remember that Tori Wilson dated Kidman for a while. (laughs) So just throwing that out there. Uh, Then we move on to Elias. Um, Elias walks with the alpha and the fruit loop and an edited Johnny cash t-shirt. Did you notice the edited Johnny cash t-shirt? That's a pretty iconic picture of Johnny Cash, and they like totally edited his right arm out of the T-shirt so that Elias could wear it on TV. I thought that was absolutely nice. ridiculous. I was saying, nice pickup. I, I didn't pick it up. Well, because in in the picture, it's Johnny Cash flipping you off, right? So they, I know what it is. I just I just didn't even know. I thought maybe it's scarves over it or something. So dumb. Uh, so speaking of scarves, we we get the interaction between Elias and the Alpha backstage. Um, this was your usage of Chris Jericho on this show. Really? Really? Uh, you know, going back, I thought this immediately and they, they kind of touched on it in the Wednesday locker room over in the hacker, I mean, media group. This was, this, obviously this was a pre-tape. So maybe Jericho was only there in the afternoon and got the hell out of there. Well, shit, it looks like he only needed to be there for about a minute and a half. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if he just came by in passing. And they were discussing 
you know, well, how was the reaction when the pop and all that to Jericho Paz? I can't recall it. What made, you know, what really stood up to me, this was a free tape is because they ran a rumble package and immediately Elias was out in that ring. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I did pick up on that as well. I mean, it was like that. Yep. Um, I, I, I just feel like he could have done more with Jericho, even if you were just going to do a pre-tape. Uh, I, I will admit though, I did pop for the alpha club shirt. Did you, did you take any note of that? Do you think that's something that like he gets cleared or is that like Jericho's little rib on, onto like the out of touchness that is Vince McMahon? I think it just goes back to right now. Jericho is so hot. He goes, does whatever the hell he wants, does whatever the fuck he wants. Um, then we end up with uh, Elias and John Cena. Been a while since I heard the John Cena sucks quite that loud. But the thing was about this, John Cena felt like a nostalgia act. That's what. That's how this. Like this was a legend interacting with somebody of the current roster. This felt like a nostalgia act to me, and it was treated very much as a nostalgia act. I was very happy to see Elias it, stand, t- stand it, it tall had that vibe. Hey, and Elias did a great job. Uh, he stood toe-to-toe in there. He did great on the mic. Uh, he, he just looked good and going over on C- getting over on Cena here. But it, was this like – there was only like three times in this entire show where they actually did anything for the Rumble event. This was actually was at least one of those times the only thing was I, about that match. The only thing I thought that was suspect about this is wouldn't this have worked so much better had they not just had like a 25 minute match like less than a month ago on Raw? Like no, the, that was that was in the back of my mind too. Like, like the enti- entire physicality of this thing took about a minute and a half. I mean, Cena had him down for the five knuckle shuffle and everything within about 20 seconds. And it was like, why in the hell did you have a 25 minute match if you could put him down that fucking fast? was very happy to see Elias at least get out of the AA and hit him in the balls. That very much made me happy. That was pretty much all I took out of that segment. It's very sad that that's what I took out of the John Cena segment. Um, then we end up with the complete what-the-fuck moment. Titus Worldwide versus Rhino and Heath Slater. My initial response was how in the hell did this make it on Raw 25, we have now come to find out this was actually Enzo's slot. It was supposed to be Enzo and the Zo train in this spot getting taken out by the Dudleys. So uh, this okay. was literally just thrown together right before the show. Okay, well, all right. It makes a little more sense now, uh, but it doesn't really change any of the two things that I really thought during this. Uh, why we had the tag match set up through the poker game and it was JBL who sets it up. Why didn't Teddy Long set this up? Yes. Why wasn't it Teddy? Why he was at the poker game. He's standing right there. Play a play a play. We're going to have yeah. a tag team match. Yeah, you, you get you get Teddy to step in, break it up. Hold on, players. What the fuck? We're going to have a tag team match. That was my that was the first thing I thought. Damn it. Um, how did I not think of that? <laughs> well, then you got then you got to Dudley's. My uh, my other thought was, and I know that you probably want to keep them separate because you have something else going on. If I'm the Dudleys and I'm gearing up, what's on my mind with those two being as vicious as they are and as hardcore and you know the, just being so proud of their past and old school? If I'm gearing up and I'm anywhere in the WWE universe, I'm looking for freaking Gallows and Anderson. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, my unfortunate issue here is an issue that probably not very many people are going to have with it. Uh, but we will discuss it a little bit later in the show because this is not the only time that uh, one Mr. Bully Ray's name will be mentioned on this episode. And because I saw the ROH part first, this kind of bugged me. So, But we'll come back to this when we get to some ROH stuff. Uh, then you have AJ Styles. This one fucking baffles me, man. You have AJ Styles on this show to do a backstage pre-tape with Mean Gene Okerlund. You, you don't interact him with the club. You don't have anything with Balor. You don't get a giant... Like, how much more would the too sweet moment have meant at the end of the show if AJ Styles would have been in the fucking ring too? AJ like, you know, it, absolutely it, it should have been there for that moment. It definitely would have went over, especially with the fans of that segment that really thought that was a cool a cool scene to see that. Cause, and believe me, it, it, it didn't do anything for me. We're no, I, did, I didn't expect it to, but I think but you can I, agree with I me. Realize, AJ should have been part of that. Segment. I realized going out, you know, in, to anywhere that I lurk around the internet, people were excited for it. To me, it, to me, it wasn't, I just wasn't excited for the moment, but it was just so, I don't know, just so lackluster. Like, I would have enjoyed the moment. Uh, I would have enjoyed the moment more if I didn't know what was coming after the moment. Uh, I, I did like, I liked seeing Mean Gene. I think that if you're going to have someone reappear through your show, he should have been handling the backstage interviews through this. I would have had Mean Gene all night interviewing talent backstage. And if you really wanted it to, and I always harp on this, that they are not interactive enough with their fans in house during the shows. I mean, how cool would it have been? You know, this is a celebration for everyone. You got me, Gene, doing a couple interviews before commercial breaks or coming back from with the fans just real quick. I love blah, blah, blah. This is us. And you got me, Gene, kind of, you know, just narrating your interviews with some fans and talents throughout this show here. Not just not just this one segment. I don't think, you know, outside of including AJ with the with the Bullet Club members or the Baylor Club or the club, whatever the hell you want to call him, he wasn't needed on this show. And this was a complete waste opportunity. I didn't pop for his Hogan references or anything. Yeah, the let me tell you something mean, Gene. I've always wanted to say that. It was like, it was like, it was funny. I I understand why people liked it, but it also made the WWE champion seem like a Hogan mark. And and that kind of rubbed me a a little bit the wrong way. And also, let's stop this Cammy thing. The Cammy thing is not getting over. No more Cammy. No more Cammy. DX and the reunion that was, we, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, totally missed the mark for me. I, whether it was the glow sticks, whether it was the, the random attempts at sophomoric humor, what, whatever it was, the entire thing just completely missed for me. Were you kind of the same way? Like before the entire Balor club thing, even just Sean and Hunter together, did nothing for me. They edited the New Age Outlaws intro. He can't say your ass better call somebody? Really? Well, it's you know, Mr. Ass! This entire thing, it fell flat from the beginning for me. Dude, you know, Hunter's got to get his shit in. Yep, that's very much what I got out of this segment. I got to get my shit in and I got to put got, over Balor. 
Well, and then he knows he's out there for a cheap pop. He knows he's going to get that cheap pop. I, you kind of enjoyed it just for those individuals getting recognized, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude and China. I absolutely, I popped very hard for the China reference in particular. I mean, number one, I love Ravishing Rick. He is very close to uh, the top five of my all-time personal favorite list, but especially what he did with DX and the NWO. But getting both the Ravishing Rick and the China mention, I thought that was fantastic, and I thought it meant even more coming from Hunter. Well, see, with me, I, I love that they got the, they actually got their, their mention on WWE television. That's great. But coming from Hunter, it just came off as cheesy cocksucker to me. He's got to get his shit in. He's got to get that pop for himself. I could see that. They And then him and Sean ramble on. Yeah, forever. Uh, Again, you couldn't get one minute for Kurt Hawkins and the Brooklyn Brawler, but that went on for, well, like, ever. And then another thing that kills me here. Did we really have to have separate entrances for the Outlaws and X-Pac? Couldn't they all just come out at one time? Right. And they didn't even play Xbox fucking music. I think what they should have done since we had, they should have had the foresight to do this, man. Since you had Hall coming out to the old Razor Ramon, we should have got the old one, two, three kid music. No, yeah, that would have been good. Because they, hey, when he came out, I think it, yeah, because they didn't have the proper music. It was, everyone was like, what? Yeah, it like, was dead. But I was expecting got, Hornswoggle. But then he got the one, two, three chance when he got into yeah. the ring. Yeah. I think that's when it hit me like, man, they should have used the one, two, three kid music. Because, you know, that was kind of a good upbeat. It had a, a, you know, a good groove to it, man. People could get moving with it. Other than that, you know, you know what's coming. You know what the set, the payoff is going to be for this entire segment. So and what did this thing run? It ran like 20 minutes. Yeah, it ran way too long. Um, I will say I got to get this in because I, I popped so hard for this. Shawn Michaels had my line of the night when him and Hunter were just standing there in the ring together. And HBK says, you know, I used to be the boss of this group, but then you had to go and become the boss of everything. I popped so hard for that. And I want, and Hunter popped for it too. So I wonder if it wasn't a shoot. I don't think that was in the script whatsoever because Hunter popped pretty good for that. You had to go and become the boss of everything. But you know, I wonder how much Sean does kind of feel that way. I mean, remember, Hunter was Sean's understudy. That's basically was his role. Well, hey, all those guys got to you know, think about how the tables have turned. I mean, Hunter was one carrying all their bags at one point. Yeah, point. yeah. Yeah. And now, and now they have to depend on him to try to get, you know, get that extra paycheck. Or something <laughs> yeah, it was uh, just the irony of that comment. I laughed pretty freaking hard. There. And then, then when your boys came out, it did nothing for me. We know what we're going to get. You know, I would have liked some kind of a little more intense showdown. Uh, start giving me more of that villainous side of the Baylor club. So what, what do you make out of this? I mean, I mean, cause obviously we get the burial of the revival. Which we knew was coming. Okay. Hey, here's a, we knew it was I, coming. I didn't, I didn't want to hit two legends that man that I that I really love, uh, so much respect for anyone on the show. You know, legends all coming back. I didn't want to get anyone. Man, I really man the commentary out of Ross and, and uh, Lawler was uh, man, it was pretty bad. Yeah, and in this segment really got me because they have you have the club music hit and they're selling it like, oh no, what's going on? What's happening here? And then they're trying to sell what's going to happen. Then you have the moment with the two sweet and then the revival hits. So now what, now what we got going on, now what's happening. And then in the same breath, they're like, well, we know they do have a scheduled match. So what the hell are you freaking out about? 
You know there's a scheduled match coming out. It almost felt like there was no production for JR or King on this show. Like, I know they were wearing headsets, but it didn't feel like anybody was in them. Because, I mean, even the Undertaker promo afterwards, you know. You know, it didn't seem like they had their groove. Maybe they weren't really informed on certain things that they should be hitting on, especially, you know, especially during the Wyatt and the, the Hardy match, because they were just kind of talking to circles just like, these guys are bizarre. Well, yep. he's bizarre. He's bizarre. Yep. Uh, I did pop for the Mike Kyoto chant. I have to admit, I popped for the Mike Kyoto chant. And the Mike Kyoto chant was far more entertaining than the match itself was. Like th- this match was not very good. I expect way better. Like I'm sure those two teams could put on a barn burner of a match. Well, there's only one decent match on this show, and that was in the Continental Championship. This this was just let's hurry up and get this in. Hey, because right now you know you just had a 20 minute segment in the ring where they're talking. They still got to get the big dogs in here to close this damn show out. They are rush, rush, rush. Yeah, this segment I, I feel it ran so long that God, they go to the final break and it had to be like eleven oh four on the East Coast mm-hmm. by the time they went to the final break. I wonder how many people tuned out right then, thinking that was the end of the show. So then we come back and we get the confusion that was like throughout the entire show, Kurt Angle is so worried that Braun Strowman and Kane and Brock Lesnar are all in the building tonight. We're terrified that all three of these guys are in the building. So why don't we go out to the ring and call them all there? Why in the fuck were they even in the ring? Why did we, why did we call them out here if you're so afraid that they're going to destroy everything? Just don't bring them out to the ring. Or do a contract signing or something. Have a fucking reason for them to be there. See, that's, I, at first, that's what I thought. Because like, you know, they, they parade everybody that was there out. All the special guests and all that. And I understand what, you know, that's just, that's just the lowest common looking way to, Hey, let's get everyone on camera one more time for the pop. I figured they were, yeah, let's have everyone out here to witness this contract signing between these three monsters. The likes we've never seen compete, you know, for, for a high level title like this, you sell it that way. And it pretty much was everyone just come around the ring so we can let these three come out here and fight with each other. Yeah, pretty much. Although we've been trying to prevent them from fighting with each other since this thing got down to protect our investment in this main event that we have coming up in in six days. Yep. Makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, I did find it interesting, and evidently you picked up on it too. They called this the main event. Is this going to be the main event of the Royal Rumble? I had, I don't know, because you know how they throw around term main event. Anything that's our marquee match is going to get main event status with WWE. I had a feeling, you know, I mean, within the company, how do you say which one of those rumble things with, you know, them trying to protect the women's thing or the men's? Because the women's thing, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's great they're having their first one ever. If it closes the show, it's going to be a freaking dud. Oh, yeah. Yep, I agree completely. So on the flip side of that, maybe they say, well, we can't close with the women. So maybe it's maybe not fair if we close with the men. And let's say we've. In the past, we've seen where they close with a match over the Rumble matches. And in all fairness, I mean, they haven't really done a good job of building anything, but this triple threat's got a hell of a lot more tension to it than than that Rumble match. So that means you're not going to have Kane in the Rumble, and you're not going to have Strowman in the Rumble, because it would make no sense for Strowman to be in the Rumble and then turn around and be in the main event. That would make no sense. Yeah, if, if that closes, then yeah, you've officially eliminated uh, any potential of any three of those because you mean if you had it earlier and Brock, and Brock lost that title 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he can come out to the rubble and try to make a run through it. Yep. So you'll, you'll eliminate those three stars at that point. And they're starting to fill out their spots. They're up to 17 men announced in the rumble, uh, none of which, believe me, is going to make anyone pop. I mean, your two biggest stars, hands down, are, are John Cena, Randy Orton, um, The Miz, and then there is a huge gap uh, between anyone that would be that has been set up to be taken seriously as a, a contender for that match. The field is wide open, Tyler. This is your year. This is your year. Tyler Bella to win the Women's Rumble. Uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about about Raw 25? Man, it's in the books. It's behind us. You know, it, it was. It's a novelty show. Again, you know, they just weren't hitting the mark. You know, so many great opportunities to help actually advance your own storylines, to help per, to use this great star power, this great platform to promote what you've got going forward. And they just missed on it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Very thumbs in the middle show for me. But like I said, I had very low expectations coming in, so I really wasn't all that disappointed. All right, well, let's kick it over to a break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk uh, SmackDown, which will take all of about three minutes because there was absolutely nothing on SmackDown. The Mixed Match Challenge, 205 Live. I can't believe we're going to talk about 205 Live on this show. Ring of Honor and a very brief tease for New Japan. We'll be right back. Time I tried 
jump over to Smackdown Live from Washington, D.C. I, 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 I'm sitting here snickering because of some comments that we just had off air. I'm sorry. I'm trying to compose myself. Uh, so the show starts off with Owens and Zane and St- Styles and Brian and Shane. Oh, my. Owens and Zane and Styles and Brian and Shane. Oh, my. Owens and Zane and Styles and Brian and Shane. Oh, my. What the fuck is this shit, man? I, Man, I, this, I don't think this is really doing anything for anyone. We don't really know 
what direction? And I and I guess you know they're trying to keep the suspense. What's going to happen? Who's moving in what direction? At least when you're doing this in any story, you're supposed to at least give a direction to where people should even care or invest. They're not even giving us that here. At least they did do something on this show that clearly stated Shane is a babyface. When when Shane banned Owens and Zayn from getting involved in the singles matches to close out the show. At least that was clearly a babyface decision. So it's a one-on-one match. Okay, I can get behind that. But if they think they're turning Daniel Bryan heel, they are sadly mistaken. The only thing that this program is doing is turning Owens and Zayn babyface because the crowd is starting to get behind the yep movement. Well, here we go. Anytime you get people to cheer along and and you can even... And you can make arguments that, yeah, they have been unfairly treated at certain points, especially, you know, to me, I've always looked at this kind of, is it kind of, you know, coming from, I'm a, you know, I'm an older conservative. I'm outside of the millennials. And I, to me, when I see Zane and Owens, I see two little millennial bitch punks. And I mean, Sammy Zane like is so annoying. I mean, I know that that's the character and he's supposed to be annoying, but he is so fucking annoying. Hey, the biggest thing here, if his, if his purpose, his character is to be a giant prancing pansy that he is killing it. Yeah. He's so absolutely he, he killing is knocking it. it out of the park. Uh, what else is happening here in this program? Man, I think they are killing, killing styles. Oh, absolutely. Since he has been lumped into this thing, man, the pro his promos have been terrible. Now, we were discussing this a little bit off air last night. Are his promos getting worse or are they just giving him scripts that are way too long? Not how he naturally talks, not the verbiage that he normally uses. Well, I I think it probably, yeah, it most certainly weighs more on the creative side. They're putting him him, him in the spots where he's not using his strong points, but his weaknesses are being super exposed. I mean, you always get on Dolph for just randomly out of nowhere raising his voice and start yelling. Yep. We're getting that from Styles here. Yep, absolutely. You can, you can tell when he maybe starts feeling long-winded or he's trying to keep track or I gotta, you know, he's like, I gotta raise my intensity. But he just starts yelling. Yep, yep. Bobby Roode does it too. Bobby Roode's always been terrible about that. AJ at his best is always a man of few words, and you let the phenomenal side show what he's about inside the ring. Yep. And and now it almost seems like he's trying to just get in as many catchphrases as he possibly can. That very much feels like AJ's character. I'm I'm just over this program. I'm over this entire notion that we could have co-WWE champions. I am so outraged that they keep putting this idea over in commentary that we could have co-WWE champions. This just seems absolutely asinine to me. It's almost one of those things they're hammering the point home so much that it's just going to happen so they can actually present to us what the hell this means. And then you end up with Owens and Zane because, of course, they're going to have to split sooner than later if they're, if they're co-champions. It's just fucking stupid. You know, at this point, it's just a mistake. AJ is... He is the best wrestler in the world. Uh, maybe, you know, what the, one of the top two, arguably, depending how you want to go about debating this here. He is the face of that brand there. He's what people are tuning into. He's wowing people. 
man, you got so much potential going forward with different programs if you just let him continue this streak. Learn from your mistake last year when you took the title off him at this time. Do not repeat yourself here. And you know, I've heard, well, he can just get the belt back at Fastlane. No, that's bullshit. Because then we're, pretty much what you're doing is you're repeating yourself. You're taking the belt off him at the wrong time. And you're then you're just setting up, you know, Kevin Owens. You're just pulling out Jericho and substituting Sami Zayn for the same damn storyline that you had going into last year minus a yep. belt at Reddit Mania. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Learn from the mistakes of last year. Think of how much better SmackDown would be right now if they never would have taken that title off of AJ Styles last year. And he was now like a, what, 14-month reigning defending WWE champion. Man, Man you, you think about you think about the hot story you could have. Like you really want you really want to go into WrestleMania with a hot story. You've had over a year plus run from AJ Styles as your champ. You still have him go over seen you have him go over seen at last year's Rumble and you know arguably the match of the year for WWE. Then you come in here building a story with Cena being your biggest star in that Rumble and those two potentially colliding on a road to WrestleMania with Cena. Well, I guess at some point you would have had to jump Cena over, or you could make that about him tying the record. Yeah, absolutely. Because they did absolutely nothing with Cena tying the 16-time record. They did nothing was, with that. He was a transition champ. Yep. I mean, you could have had four months of hype that Cena's won the Rumble. He's going after AJ, who's held the title for over 365 days. But this is John's moment to tie that record. This could be one of the grandest spectacles in all professional wrestling. Yep. And especially after having the match of the year in 2017 for WWE and then building to that. God, it could have been huge. But nope, completely dropped the ball. Had to do the Jinder Mahal experiment. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully they, hopefully they do, they don't just you know copy, copy and paste for this damn thing, and they learn from their mistakes here. But man, this thing, this thing has been flat. It, it, you don't know where to invest. Everyone's all over the place. Man, I just got a feeling that they're they're hammering it home so hard about this co-champ shit that we're going to get it. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. I know that we're still several months away from this, but if you see AJ Styles make the jump to Raw. Right after WrestleMania, the Fox thing is very, very real. That's what that tells me. Uh, you get the final hype for the Women's Royal Rumble on this show. And it was... Um, Essentially, it was copy-paste from the night before. Yeah, and it wasn't good the night before. Um, I, 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 just, I don't understand this, man. I don't understand it. The The whole Charlotte promo did absolutely nothing for me. The entire match did absolutely nothing for me. Really, since Absolution and the Riot Squad debuted, SmackDown has literally been a replay of whatever they do on Raw. I was exactly right down to the T here, you know, and I don't, you know, just the match itself. It was just Why a complete hell? throwaway. Why do you put garbage? So why do you put Liv in there by herself? You know she's still green as hell. She is she's terrible in the ring there. Yeah, I don't even know why. You know, I guess it was shit off get off the pot with her. I know there's some fans out there, man. They just take to her. She seems so generically good looking to me. I mean, she has no no unique features to her. The problem, you know, why? Because Carmella's on the same fucking roster. They are literally the same person. I, they, they have switched Carmella just a little bit, but I don't care. Carmella still does it better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, no you reason. should have put Liv on Raw if you were going to call her up because her and Carmella are literally the same person. For God's sake, at one time, one was dating Enzo and one was dating Cass. They are literally the same person. Terrible match. Repeat finish. They're trying to do that little hype thing. Uh, Charlotte coming out really adds nothing to this and other just to get your champ out there. I can't know why I need her just arbitrarily running out there. I don't. I still have it set in my head she is going to enter this damn match and win this damn thing. For God's sake, please can we turn Charlotte heel? We really need to turn Charlotte heel. I was so excited when Charlotte got drafted to SmackDown because I thought SmackDown was going to be all about AJ Styles as the lead babyface, Charlotte Flair as the lead heel. She gets to SmackDown. They turn her babyface, but she still has that same cadence to her voice. So she sounds like she's talking down to everyone. Doesn't work for a baby face. It's really hurt the Charlotte brand since she went to SmackDown. I almost wish they would have just kept her on Raw because this has not worked at all for me. Um, going into the Women's Rumble, do you have any predictions, Rick? You're, you're, you're still sh- sticking with Charlotte? I'm telling you, man. I, I know it's, it's a, it is a long shot. I just think it's, it's so strange to me how they keep Mentioning that these ladies want to be, they just want to be the champ at WrestleMania when who, you know, whoever emerges to challenge them. And why wouldn't they want to be out there to make history? And she said, they need to fill some spots. I think one of these would, this would be a huge surprise to see Bliss and Charlotte both go out there. I'm, I'm not dismissing one champ over the other. I don't think it really fits into what Bliss's character would want. I mean, why would she want to go out there and challenge? You know, unless she knows she's got like number 30. It would have she been comes doing her little stro- you know, stroll out there. It would have been so much better if they would have done it like I pitched to where, you know, Charlotte petitions I, I, I to get in it. and then Kurt's like, hey, Alexa, we're going to do the same thing for you. And she protests. It would have been yep. so good. So good. But nope. Nope. Not doing nothing with it. I can't believe Alexa Bliss and Charlotte are going to be left off of the rumble. And that's another thing that sticks out to me. And. Outside of that, if I if I am completely missing, and I could be, believe me, everyone thinks I'm kind of crazy here with this, you know, with my idea. But I, it's still it's stuck in it's stuck in my mind. It's stuck in my gut. I feel it's happening. But other than that, you know, storyline logic wise, I mean, I thought Paige would have been a good choice, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, that's obviously gone. But even just how they've handled those two groups, that's done nothing. Uh, they don't have any appeal. And I'm sitting here looking through the list, and I don't even know. And it, it seems like maybe they've exposed that that Oscar isn't, you know, that she's going to have that big target on her back. Yep. So I don't. I'll go maybe like a long shot, maybe like Nikki Bella. Shit. I was actually just going to make a pitch for Nikki Bella to win the Rumble. You and I both agree that the Bellas are the biggest crossover women stars inside of the WWE. I absolutely because we know. You're getting the Bellas from Rumble to Mania. It would make absolute sense to do a Bella versus a Flair or a Bella versus a Bliss. I could see it going either way. You could either do heel Nikki or you could do babyface Nikki. Either way. Uh, you know, hell, I could see, hey, we've seen it before. Uh, three, two, one, the buzzer hits and they get up from the announcer's desk. I can see Stephanie entering at 30 and just flipping some people over the top rope to steal this damn thing. 
I will be so fucking mad, dude. I will be so fucking mad if Stephanie McMahon wins this fucking shit. I will be so fucking mad. I, hey, I, at this point, I, at this point, I'm not ruling anything out, and I'm not gonna hold my breath. Man. I'm not ruling it out, but I will be so fucking mad. Like th- that, to me, is worse than Ellsworth winning Money in the Bank. Uh, we end up with the Nakamura Corbin thing, and the fucked up part of this is, I was enjoying this match. Damn it, Randy. Why did you have to ruin this? This was like 12 minutes and I was enjoying the match. I'm really liking what Baron Corbin's doing right now. I'm a big Shinsuke Nakamura fan. And then Orton comes in and just lays them both out. I, you know what? You kind of knew it was coming because they were teasing it through the show. And I like the visuals with Orton, man. He came out of freaking nowhere. Well, it's Orton. Yeah. I mean, and that, why do people like Randy Orton? That's it. RKO out of nowhere. You know? Yeah, you got the RKO. You got a sweet move. You got a guy that's just a badass. I mean, Randy Orton, like going back to the, is like brought up. Randy Orton looks like one of those guys that, like, you want to be him. You're on him. I mean, he's jacked. He's put together, and you just know he's a total dickhead. He does what he wants, gets what he wants. He's a badass, and he can just hit his move out of nowhere. Everything says to me, Randy Orton is winning the Rumble. I just. I can't believe that Randy Orton's going to win the Rumble. I just, I can't buy that. But all indications are Randy Orton is winning the Rumble. Then we get the, the Raw 25 video package that goes on for like three to four minutes. Uh, note, don't forget, come next November, we all hate one another. They did a lot to damage the brand split this weekend. And, you know, what really gets me, too, like, they, they take all this time to rerun this Raw 25. They know they've got some terrible backlash over the last 24 hours at this point about how disappointed people were in the show, how disappointed the live audience was, so on and so on. So they spent so much time here revisiting this. I mean, to me, this is like you kick us in the balls and then come back and kick us in the balls again. Every time they show the Royal Rumble commercial and they show that fucking clip of all the women standing in the ring together with their arms up in the air, crying and hugging each other, it makes me fucking sick. And I I see that commercial like six times a show. Yeah. I just hang my head in like sorrow every time I see that. Then the only other thing on SmackDown really to talk about is Bobby Roode and the New Day versus Jinder Mahal. And Rusev Day. Rick, are they really so fucking delusional that they honestly believe Rusev Day are still heels? Are they really that stupid? It's quite, it's quite mind-boggling. You know, they just keep trying to force it, force it, force it. Like, people want to cheer Rusev. So turn him babyface already. You stick him with gender fucking Mahal? Really? Do you think? Do you think possibly? Maybe we get like a breakout moment for him at at the Rumble. I mean, because he was coming out and playing a hard heel in this match. I mean, he was really selling it up. You know that he was like he was back to his vicious self here. You know, people just want to they want to embrace it, and they're not giving him the opportunity. If that were the case. I would have had Rusev number one turn on Aiden English on SmackDown and then take out everybody. 
take out Brood, take out New Day, take out Mahal, take out fucking Aiden English, and make Rusev back into the Bulgarian brute. No, I know. I just know he was just putting on that act. And I don't think that's going to work here. People want the Rusev Day act. That's what they want to cheer. Yep. They, that's what. That's the new act that they want there. But I'm saying if, hey, you, if think- you want Rusev as a heel, taking that away from people is going to get people to boo oh, Rusev. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Right. So if you have Rusev take out New Day, Bobby Roode, Aiden English, and Jinder Mahal, and then just be like, you want Rusev Day? Fuck you. you Rusev Machka. What they'll probably end up fucking doing is having Rusev go over in the rumble and then try to give us three months of him as a heel. Yeah. That's that's absolutely what I expect here. <laughs> like, it just makes yep. no sense. They'll try to give us three months of him as a heel. Uh, speaking of Rusev Day, I, I would feel like a, a very bad Tyler Breeze fan if I didn't ask you, did you see the newest episode of The Fashion Files? I have not. Um, Tyler Breeze. I told you, man. You know I'm not like a big fan of this. Well, no, I, no. I, I understand. I completely understand. But man, there, there was just jumped the shark with me. Like, shit, man. Like, probably before Survivor Series. So so last week they, they had announced that it was going to be the Ascension versus Rusev Day on the Fashion Files. I did see that somewhere. Right. Okay. Now, what happened was they they do an entire montage with uh, Breezango pumping up the Ascension, getting them ready for their match, which was absolutely fucking hilarious, only to find out that Breezango doesn't have that power. They can't book matches. The, the match was never official. <laughs> Popped pretty good for that. Like everybody on the roster can make a match except for Prezango, evidently. I mean, you can say, have yeah, commentators do it, referees can do it, talent can book their own matches. Everybody but Prezango can book their own match. Thought that was fucking hilarious. Anything else that you wanted to talk about on SmackDown? Well, you know, we were just talking about we just lumped them all together in there. I mean, how terrible was the finish to the show with those matches? I mean, have you ever seen the uh, the EMT team like take that long? That is like the worst the EMT. Get them on the stretcher. Let's hope, since they were in Washington D.C., let's hope that we never have an assassination attempt on any congressman because they will obviously bleed out before the EMTs can respond. That was the slowest EMT meta team that we've ever seen in our lives. I, I it did nothing for me. Nothing. Completely, completely unreal. You know, just terrible. You know, it, and it's funny because I rail on the WWE 11 months out of the year. Feature the title. The title is your main event. Feature the title. Over all other things, feature the title. The one month that I give them a pass on that is January for the Royal Rumble because we're competing to see who gets a shot at the title. Okay, I get that. And what have they done this year? They've done nothing but focus on the titles and not built the rumble whatsoever. It's like they just listen to this show and they're like, fuck you, Jargo. We're going to do exactly the opposite of whatever you say. It's terrible. Dude, okay. I I know. Go ahead and do the trade. Go ahead and move on to our next thing because. Just go ahead and set up the next topic. Well, the the next topic is the Mixed Match Challenge Week 2. I just turned it on to get some numbers for us. 
Did you actually, did you watch this? Uh, no, I did not watch the match. Um, and evidently, not too many people did. Week one, they they did what? What, what was it? Like 142,000 viewers yeah, 142 live? 142 live. But, you know, they ended up with a good solid number. You know, it was like 1.6. Yep. Which was a tremendous five. They hit that in the five-day stretch of when we recorded. And that put them like in the top 20 of like the most viewed, like most successful Facebook watch programs. And most of those were under like two minutes because it's more built. It's more geared towards like that, that YouTube kind of style now where, you know, it's real quick. You can keep scrolling. So it's not, it's not so common to see those shows that go 20 plus minutes, have that much success. WWE home run week one, uh, this week here, I, I don't can let me show you over here. I don't know if you can see the screen. I just, as we're watching New Day come out here, you've got Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods actually wearing the same swimsuit-style ring attire as Carmella. Oh, my God. This takes me back. You know, I, I've been out the last couple of weeks, you know, as I've been traveling. I've been out watching, trying to get to put on wrestling in public. And the most embarrassing, embarrassing thing possible, you know, is – is anytime that New Day comes out, people they you know we realize there's characters, but this is over the top, dude. This it's it's so laughable. They're probably the biggest joke going right now in professional wrestling. Uh, but all right, so, look at this. If anyone oh, that hasn't God. seen it, please go check this out. Uh, I know these guys like to have fun in that. But I, there's a line. It's every week, you know. There's a line. Uh, so. So anyway, the reason that we bring this up is we wanted to compare the numbers for week two to week one. Okay. So now within, let's see here, we're just approaching. It's been about 24 hours now. They actually, they actually had went over the 1 million views mark in 24 hours uh, for the first episode of this, their first showing. Now it's about 24 hours and they are only at 591,000. Five hundred and ninety-one thousand. Um, they had well over a hundred thousand shares. Now they're they're only at like at four thousand. Uh, when we were discussing the run last night, uh, the show had been out for I don't know maybe two hours at that point, and uh, I know you went and checked the numbers at that point, and at that point it was at about eight thousand. So they're getting good, you know, follow-up. I mean, people just aren't tuning in to check this thing out live. But from uh, 142,000 to 8,000, I mean, come on. That's got to be viewed as a colossal failure. Wait, and you know, you threw out the raw numbers at the beginning of the show. Incredible numbers for raw 25. You know, they did it. Like we said, they did a tremendous job hyping that up. Getting people, you know, wanted to be invested. That was where you needed to be for Monday. It seems like, you know, the consensus that fell way short. It left people angry to a certain extent. That did not set the table very well for anything on Tuesday. I'm going to have a feeling that the SmackDown is going to be a terrible rating. We've seen here with these numbers for the Facebook Watch with the drastic drop off they've had here. And just another comparison that, you know, that I, I you know, observed in the Hameen discussion group. You know, we usually average for a Monday and Tuesday close to a thousand comments. 
near the end of that show, we we weren't even pushing like 200. Yep. People were not active for this thing. I think Raw 25 pissed a lot of people off. Hey, do you want to talk about the wrong time to piss people off? I mean, you have those three hours. You got this two with SmackDown. We've got over two hours of NXT coming up and six hours of Royal Rumble coming up. Then you start all over again with another five with the red and blue brand next week. You've got a lot of content that you need the consumers to buy into. You might have pissed off people at the wrong time. Yep, completely agreed. Uh, Speaking of pissed off people, uh, I actually had to watch 205 Live this week because I was curious as to what in the hell they're doing with the cruiserweight title situation. Uh, you may notice that we have not talked about the Enzo thing. That's because neither Rick or I work for TMZ, and we do not care about that fucking bullshit. So let's talk about something that does matter, or at least should matter, and that's the cruiserweight title. What are we doing with the cruiserweight title? Because originally it was supposed to be Cedric versus Enzo at the Royal Rumble, correct? Correct. So the show opens with Daniel Bryan delivering a statement backstage. Uh, He informed the audience that Enzo Amore has uh, abdicated the WWE Cruiserweight Championship and would no longer be a part of 205 Live. Uh, He then said that he wanted to be the one to address the title situation, given how much he believes in what the Cruiserweights can do. I thought this was kind of funny, considering the Cruiserweights belong to Raw. Uh, Brian then said that next week on 205 Live, a brand new general manager would be named for the show and that person would decide the fate of the WWE Cruiserweight title. He closed by saying that whoever is chosen for the GM role will be up to the task and providing a breathtaking Cruiserweight action to the fans while giving the show the direction that it needs. Well, at least part of that I agree with. The show definitely needs direction. Um, what do you make of this, Rick? Uh, we're going to get a 205 Live GM because we all know that we absolutely need another fucking authority figure. C- completely not buying into this whatsoever. I mean, we're... For, you know, First of all, we, know we, have, we were in a conversation yesterday, multiple people were into this thing. What does this thing need? It needs a major shakeup. We've had this conversation a dozen times. You could have come out firing last night with any kind of big announcement. You need to get some major players in this. I don't care. Get Finn, get Finn's ass over there. Get Pete Dunn. Get Johnny Gargano. You've got great talent that fall under the category, that fall under that weight of 205 that you could be utilizing here. Quit writing this off as just a secondary sideshow for dot, dot, dive shit. People are not invested in there. There is no one on that current roster that you're going to put this thing on that's going to bring interest to your program. So instead of doing a move like this, their answer is, oh, yeah, we probably – we need an authority figure. We need someone that can that build up some drama backstage. Yeah, bullshit. We're tired of it across all of your platforms. No one's buying into it. It's ruining your product. Do something different here, but no. Who do you expect to be the general manager for 205 Live? Well, let, let, let me rephrase. Not who do you expect, who do you want? If, 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 I, I don't want anyone. I don't give a fuck. I don't even think about it. Okay, let me rephrase the question then. All right? In a hypothetical world. There is no I don't have an answer. I, didn't even, I never thought about it because I just said I don't give a fuck. <laughs> That was my initial thought when I heard GM. I said, you have, you could do 
you know, a handful of other things to drive some interest in this program, and your answer is a general manager. Yeah. Um, I have, my initial reaction was, I don't give a fuck. I somehow give a fuck less more about 205. Is there anybody that they could put in that role that would make you give a fuck? No, I mean, unless it's like Charlotte finger blasting herself. No, I'm not going to tune in to watch 205. Fair enough. Fair enough. Totally ruined my bit. <laughs> what were you going with? Oh, well, man, give me a I, setup I, here, man. I, well, I was trying to get your opinion, and then I was going to give you my opinion, and, and now I just feel like you... you I don't have I, one. I, I, yeah, you don't have an opinion, so now I, I don't even feel a need to well, give okay. one. Okay, Jarko, you know, who do you just, believe? Who, who, is, who is your savior for the 205 general manager? I got Disco Fever! I'm sorry that set you up on that. I, you know what? I probably would not tune in, but I would try it at least pay attention. That's right. Give me the, the, the former WCW Cruiserweight Champion, the Disco Inferno, as the general manager of 205 Live. I would pop like crazy, and yes, that I would watch. That okay, I would uh, watch. You know what? Maybe not general manager, but if you had him in the running for the championship, you brought him into the division. Our very own over in the Hacker Hobby Media Group, Mr. One, Mr. Uh, Mr. BWO, Stevie Richards throughout. He's at 204 pounds. He could get in there. Hell, hey, hell hey, was Stevie for GM. I want Stevie for champ. That's what I'm saying. Get him in the division. Hell you know, yes. Just, I know that they just did the Intercontinental Tournament and that, not the Intercontinental, the U.S. Championship Tournament. Completely swinging a miss with that thing. They've got this mixed match challenge tournament going on. You know, maybe I would be invested if they ran out like a 16-man tournament or an eight-man tournament where it was half and half current roster versus like some some new faces, guys that are coming into the thing and maybe some bring back some past stars. Maybe try to grab something that was what made the Cruiserweight Classic so special and then actually put that on 205. I just don't know if it's like tournament overkill right now. Inevitably, 205 Live is not going to change unless Vince gives up the book and lets somebody book 205 Live that understands cruiserweight wrestling. I Inevitably, that's really what it comes down to. Um, a couple names that I, I would absolutely consider for the general manager of 205 Live, Hurricane Shane Helms, I think would be fantastic in that role. I also think Jamie Noble would be fantastic in that role. Both of those guys can talk their asses off. You know what? Fuck it. You're talking about a booker. Screw it, throw it all out the window, and just give the book to Rip Rogers. Is it also a possibility that, you know, they bring in a general manager, and then general manager says, my first decision for 205 Live is there is going to be no more 205 Live. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Like, And they just kill this fucking division because it it's not worth it at this point. Oh, fuck. It, you know what, man? I, something just popped into my mind. Nia Jax is going to be the general manager of 205 Love. Oh, you're right. So let's move on to Ring of Honor. 
Um, this show was uh, a little bit odd, uh, but it's very, very good. I, I think if you get Ring of Honor and you have not seen this show yet, number one, I'm sorry for ruining it for you, but number two, go out of your way to see this show. Uh, the show starts off with uh, Punishment Martinez versus a local jobber. I should say Punishment Martinez murdering a local jobber. Uh, while during the match, he is calling out Dalton Castle the entire time. Castle answers the call finally, and he comes out and he stands in front of Punishment Martinez and has this weird Dalton Castle look on his face. Uh, the one thing that absolutely bothered me about this, he didn't even come out with the title. That just kind of bugged me. Uh, but he he tries to get Punishment Martinez to come at him. Finally, Punishment comes at him. Castle puts See, I'm him okay down. With that. I'm okay with that sometimes. If you're going out because you know you're going to get into a fight, I'm okay with that. Well, then at least have one of the boys holding the title. I mean, it's not like he you, doesn't you always with that, an entourage. I guess you always want that visual out there that your champ has that belt. But I can see, you know, if you're getting ready to go out there, just freaking brawl. I, it, that wouldn't bother me so much. This was old school wrestling. Punishment takes the powder. Decides now is not the time. We're not going to get into it now. We'll do this on my time. Uh, also on this show, you have Coast to Coast versus War Machine. War Machine's final match in Ring of Honor. They put over Coast to Coast as well they should. But this is an absolutely fantastic match. If you enjoy tag team wrestling, this was a fantastic match. Then we get to Bully Ray. Bully Ray comes out. This, this is still from the Philadelphia tapings. So this was shortly after Final Battle. And Bully Ray announces that Final Battle was his final battle. And that, you know, he left his boots in the ring in New York because he's from New York. But I had to come to Philly one last time in this building with this crowd. This is where... Bubba Ray Dudley was born. This is where Bubba Ray Dudley needs to be put to rest. And he leaves his boots in the ring. Fantastic fucking promo out of Bully. Fantastic stuff. Energy lethal. And at first I was like, oh God. Because, you know, we're, we're slowly getting the Jay Lethal heel turn. But once Lethal gets into the ring, we see the rest of the ROH roster come out. And this is actually just a very, very heartfelt goodbye from Ring of Honor to Bully Ray. And it was absolutely fantastic. I did think it was interesting, though, that Jay Lethal came out first. Then the rest of the roster, Lethal did all the talking on behalf of all of Ring of Honor, including the suits up top to all the boys in the locker room. It was all Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal is still the face of Ring of Honor. And yet Dalton Castle's running around with the title. I'm not sure how long that's going to last. This is absolute must-see shit. I'm, I was 100% positive this is the end of Bully Ray. And then I see the Dudleys on Raw. Well, you don't know if he had gotten that phone call at that point that he's going to Raw. And come on, man. It is professional wrestling. I understand. You know, retirements are... <coughs> I understand. But... Seeing that segment on Raw, I felt very differently than somebody who had not seen this show. That's my point. Uh, then in your uh, main event, 
you end up with SoCal Uncensored versus Bullet Club, Marty Skrull, Hangman Page, and Cody. With, of course, SoCal Uncensored going over because it wasn't the Hung Bucks. This is all building to Hung Bucks versus SoCal Uncensored. But anytime you get Page, Cody, and Skrull in the same place at the same time, it's always a good time as long as you enjoy, you know, ROH comedy wrestling. Also this weekend, this is, this is insane, Rick. So not only do we have NXT TakeOver, not only do we have six hours of the Royal Rumble. Are we going to get to sleep at all this weekend? No. Because Saturday morning, we have the new beginning in Sapporo with Tanahashi versus Suzuki for the Intercontinental Championship. And then Sunday morning, we have Kenny Omega versus Jay White for the U.S. Championship. That's your big New Japan tease. Those, those are your two money matches. Because we will be working these conversations into our, our multiple reviews and previews and breakdowns for the weekend, correct? Yes. I, I'm going to be watching so much fucking wrestling over this next week. My God. Anything else that you wanted to comment on this week when it comes to professional wrestling? I mean, here we are. We're, we're midweek. We're, what, four, five days out now from the Royal Rumble? You know, I guess uh, just to kind of get get my pitches in there, you know, all the props you got to throw out there in my clothes. You know, anybody wants to follow me over on Twitter, you can find me at the Real RBV, also on Twitter. And I also, also encourage you to check out the Hameen Media Group. Uh, you can pick up all of our, our, our audio content, any of the news that's breaking out there. Also, with the Hameen Media Group, make sure you hop on Facebook and join our discussion group. And we are going to have an over-the-top Royal Rumble weekend. I mean, we've got fantasy tournaments going on. We're going to have polls, uh, fan bookings. Like I said, we're going to have a ton of great content just from Jargo myself, uh, from Ben Hamid, Stevie Richards, Big Ray, Billy Ray Valentine, the entire crew. We're going to be bringing you takes all weekend long. And it all builds up to Sunday night with the, uh, the Royal Rumble and Acer's live discussion thread. So that's going to do it for this episode, but don't worry your pretty little head. RBV and I will be back in your ear holes so much this weekend that you're going to be cussing like a sailor come Tuesday. We've got the NXT preview. We've got the Be the Booker special Rumble edition. We've got the NXT TakeOver Philly review immediately after the show. You've got, of course, the locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com this coming Monday. As always, you can find our show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, peeps. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to drop that five-star Meltzer review rating and subscribe. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. Weasel Dooley. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. Yo, bad guy! Stop! Stop! Go! Trapping the blame on me I smell self-righteous
Violate, mutable. 